What's up, Daw Nation? My name's Wyatt Troy, and I want to welcome you to episode 38 of Behind the Daw, where we interview music producers, musicians, artists, music industry experts, people of that nature, on an emotional, philosophical, artistic, and music business basis. This is a companion podcast to our YouTube series, In the Daw, where we invite music producers to come and dissect their songs in real time. If you're interested in that, there is links in the description for that, so go ahead and click on that, and you can watch them. Also, you can listen to them. They are the .5 episodes in the podcast. So go ahead and look out for those three things really quick before we get into the episode today. These three things are in the forms of links and they're all down in the description. The first link is for the Patreon. If you could find it in your heart to donate $1 a month so that we can keep bringing these interviews to you for free forever, it'd mean the world to us. Plus you get access to a private discord community and there's a lot of other rewards in there if you're interested. So go ahead, check that out. The second link down in the description is for suggestions. If you want to suggest someone to come on the show, please send them over. Click that link link tell our da bot everyone you want to see on the show it'll be fantastic and we'll work hard to get them on and then the final link down in the description is for private lessons if you want private lessons in music production or in social media marketing please click on that that has been quite a hit amongst our listeners lately the schedule is filling up quite quick and so if you want that make sure to hop on it we've been bringing a lot of value to our people that we've been teaching so please go ahead check that out so who are we interviewing today today we are going to interview pierce Fulton. If you don't know Pierce Fulton, what are you doing? That guy's amazing. And this is probably one of the best interviews that we've ever had on the podcast. I'm serious. This interview is just so jam-packed of useful, actionable, legitimate, pure information to help you along your music journey. Here's a couple things that we're going to be talking about today. Number one, we're going to talk about your artist integrity and you staying true to that. And what happens if you don't stay true to your artist integrity? What happens when you make business or artistic decisions that compromise your artist integrity? What happens? We're going to talk about that. The second thing that we're going to be talking about is, this is crazy because I, I, I didn't even know that we were going to be talking about this, but recently Pierce released a song with Martin Garrix and Mike Shinoda from Linkin Park. He talks about actually how this song was done three years ago and the original vocals was with Chester from Linkin Park before he died. And so he goes in and he talks about that and it's it's actually really, really powerful to get you know a behind the scenes look of what was going on during that time when Chester tragically died. And so it's very sincere. And so if you if you are going to listen to this and if you are going to comment on that, please be very respectful. It is a very sensitive topic. So thank you for that. And finally, we're going to be talking about, you know, what success actually brings happiness, you know, in, in a music producer's life. Is it money? Is it playing shows? Is it getting a bunch of plays? According to Pierce, that's not true. He has all of those things, but he's going to talk about what really makes him happy and actually not focusing on what made him happy led to him taking a year off and almost quitting. So make sure to stay tuned for all those things. There's a bunch of other things that we're going to be talking about, but those are the things that really stuck out to me. And so if you do like this episode, please like, comment, subscribe, repost, follow, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, you know, wherever you are, go ahead and do the appropriate action. It helps us know that what we're doing is moving in the right direction for you, that we are making this podcast the best possible thing for you. So with all that out of the way, with all that being said, I want to introduce you to Pierce Fulton.
want to welcome you to this week of Behind the Daw. We are honored to be able to interview Pierce Fulton. Pierce, say what's up to Daw Nation and uh, tell us something really embarrassing about yourself. What's up, Daw Nation? Uh, it's Pierce here. I have a lot of embarrassing stories and I think I've suppressed a lot of them. So the only one I can really remember right now is when uh, I was opening for Wolfgang Gartner once in Miami and every DJ's like worst nightmare is accidentally hitting the pause button, which is like, I don't know, the way I use my CJs is the cue button. Instead of hitting the play button when you're like going to mix your next track or it's on the track that's currently playing. So I did that on a Matt Zoe track. It's yours by Matt Zoe. So it has this really long, like not very melodic intro. And I remember, I think it was like two more tracks to Wolfgang and he was standing there and I like just barely knew him. I eventually got to know him better, which was nice, but barely knew him. So I was a little nervous and I go to like mix the next track and I hit cue on the current track and just all the music stops and it was like right before he's about to go on Ooh. and I just got on the mic and I'm like whoops I messed up and that just made it worse so I just was like making it worse and then what made it worse than that is I played the same song over because I was like all nervous and it was like a minute and a half drum intro from Matt Zoe so I'm sitting there being like oh jeez oh jeez and Wolfgang sitting there being like well this is cool and so yeah that was pretty embarrassing <laughs> were you able to redeem yourself from that or is that still is that still you still got those scars going on no, I mean, it was, it's just one of those things that like full tour with Wolfgang. So I, I made up for my, uh, my moment of, uh, weakness. It's good to hear. It's good. To hear. <laughs> Thank you. That was, that was nice and embarrassing. I really like that. I also want to introduce my co-host for today, which is Brendan. He's been on the podcast before as well as a ton of, uh, in the DAW episodes. He goes by daddy. How you doing today, daddy? Dude, I am doing great. I'm going to go flip some burgers a little later, you know, wear my fanny pack. We're, we're doing wow. good. Your branding is so on point, dude. Like. He's the most dad. Yeah, the thing the thing is I am a dad though, so it all it just works, you know. DJing from yeah. a grill just makes sense, you know. I feel like if you call yourself daddy and you don't have a child, it's a little weird. It's it's <laughs> yeah, then we go into weirdo territory. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really quick, we're gonna go into the three questions that we always ask. And if anyone wants to keep up with these questions that I ask, these these deep questions I come up with, they come from the Shower Thoughts subreddit. Here we go. So the first question I got for you is so when you transport something in a car. It's called a shipment, all right? There's literally the word ship in there. But if you transport something by boat, it's called cargo, which literally has the word car in there. So they're kind of switched. Why is that? Give me, give me a reason, Pierce. Well, the only thing I can say is that you drive on a parkway, but you park in a driveway. That makes it so much worse. Okay, yeah. That's, I mean, I, I, I've thought about that. Like, I, I've thought about the, I think when I was like 13 or something, my older brother's friend said that to me. He was like, you drive on a parkway, park in a driveway. And I was like, what the heck is going on with that? Yeah, I don't know. Cargo, shipment, that is weird. It is weird. And it kind of, it's slightly satisfying though, in, in a strange way. But anyways, we're going <laughs> to- Yeah, we're, it's like a palindrome in, in thought. Exactly, exactly. All right, next question I got for you. So is it true that when you tell someone that they look better with a beard, is that, is, are you essentially just telling them that like, the less of their face that you see, the better they look. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. There are some people that have magnificent beards and that is just like a, but you have to like, it's like, it's gotta be in your DNA and it just gotta work. I've tried to have a beard multiple times and like in the moment, I'm like, wow, I look cool. And then I'll see a picture and I'm like, geez, dude, you look like an idiot. It's all fuzzy and like not very full. And it just kind of looks like I have whiskers on my face. And it's just like uh -huh. every time I look at pictures, after I've shaved, I'm like, oh, dude, don't do it again. <laughs> That's delicious. So I do need to know your your like true and honest thoughts right now. I need you to look at daddy here. All right. I need you to look at his beard. Do you think the less of his face that you see, the better he looks? Or do you feel like he actually has a good looking face? What I will say is I think your beard complements your face. I think it, uh, oh, thank you. I think 
because it's a dark beard, you have to have a certain type of color, facial hair, and also like a thickness. So it's like one or the other. If you don't have that, like I have like light brown, so it looks weird. Mm. And so if it's dark enough, it works. Can I be really honest with you guys? No. I'm frankly disappointed in both of you for not doing No Shave November. Like, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm a little disappointed. Wait, but yeah, I definitely shaved. I forgot about it. I don't know. I'm sorry. Daddy disapproves and you guys are both grounded for a week. <laughs> <laughs> You're branding, man. It's so on point. Okay, that's good. And then the final question I got for you is, so I'm, I'm going to probably have to say this a couple times because I had to like read it a couple times to figure out if what I was saying was true. So if you die from old age, is it true that you just die from not dying? Oh man, I feel like I'm going to get dark with this. It's like, how, how messed up is that? You just stop. It's just like one day you're like, yep, that's it. <laughs> yep. Something, something in your body is just kind of like that. That was, that was everything. Have fun. <laughs> Like, goodbye. <laughs> That's it. That was, Super weird. But like, if you get hit by a, you know, a meteor or something like crazy or struck by lightning, that's like, oh, wow, he got struck by lightning. But if you just die from old age, it's just like, well, it's like beating a video game at the end and you're like, that was it? Like, yeah. there, there's nothing more to that? Oh, man, it's just over. Okay, cool. That was as dark as daddy's beard, man. That was, that was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it is, it is a strange thing to think about. It you is. just kind of, it's just done. With those questions out of the way, do you feel like you're in a much deeper mindset now? Yeah, a little bit. Just thinking well, about dying and, you know, parkways and driveways and shipments and cargo and dads. <laughs> it's a lot of good topics so far. <laughs> for, for a podcast called Behind the Daw, it's not really what I expected, but I like it. Fantastic, man. So, dude, I got to tell you a funny story. Okay. So, when I was 19, <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you the story. This is such a good story. I gotta, I gotta, so I won, I won some tickets one time on your Facebook page to a, sh a concert. Um, I had just turned 21. It was a 21 up and sh up show. And I uh, went on like a service mission, like a religious service mission for a couple years. Mm -hmm. And you have to be 19 to go and you stay for two years. And so fast forward, I show up to your concert and I had forgotten my ID Oh no. And I had just won these free tickets and I was like so stoked to go party. And so I was like <laughs> I grabbed my like religious like ministerial like name tag certificate thing oh, and I God. I went up to the the security guards and I was like, "Look, I forgot my ID, but like you let me in cuz you have to be 21 to have this certificate." <laughs> <laughs> And I, I kid you not, the guard looks at me. He's like, you want to enter this den of sin with this ID? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, dude. So anyways, we I got in illegally by showing a, my religious ministerial certificate to the security guards into wow. a 21 up show. So I just got to give myself props for doing that, you know, and, and, you know, here we are today. So you've made some pretty like drastic career changes over the, over the past, like, um, listening to like your self-title album with Quagga, Runaway, hmm. those types of songs, those were very like electro progressive house. And then there was like the better places move. Right. And hmm. I've loved both of them, obviously. I, I mean, you're going to have to tell me, it seemed almost like a personal like change for, I don't know, like uh, tell me about that. Like, why did, the, why did that change happen so drastically? Like, well, how did you go from doing that? Like very 128 to, to the indie, like you singing and stuff like that. Like what, what prompted that? I want you to like get into that. It's funny. I, I've actually been thinking about all of this. I was so close to it all, like the change of it while it was going on. And I've had some time, like I've, I took, I haven't toured since last year, this time, actually, like I just have taken the year off from touring and just like kind of been with myself and figured out some basic human things other than just being a DJ and all that. It's been actually really rewarding to just like think about 
everything I've done and all these changes and stuff like that. I have one question for you guys actually about like old music. So remind me about that. But basically the the change in sound, like it was just like what naturally happened. Like for a while I was, I was doing all the 128 stuff and I like doing 128 stuff, but there was a period where the songs that I was making in that style just kind of like stopped hitting me in a certain way. Honestly, I, I go through some of the old ideas like now, like two weeks ago, I was trying to finish this like electro kind of acoustic guitar thing. It doesn't make me feel like wow, am I pushing like the boundaries of myself and the music industry and like the scene? And, and it just, it, it feels like a step backwards, which isn't necessarily bad, but like, it, it's not necessarily, this has to be dance music or it has to be indie. It just has to like push something forward for me personally. Hmm. So it doesn't matter the genre. Yeah, it's it's a really strange thing I've been I've been thinking a lot about because I'm not at all resistant to making progressive house again. It's it just has to be the right stuff. Like for example, one song I'm working on right now is I think it's actually in 128, but it's a lot more chill than my normal stuff. But it's like a really good blend between like my indie stuff and my dance stuff because it has a dance groove, but it has a really cool vocal. But the vocal is very rhythmic and percussive almost, so it doesn't really like take over like a normal vocal track. And definitely, and and that's kind of what I noticed with that new Martin Garrix and Mike Shinoda track. It was it was kind of more back. To to that like electro house i don't know what bpm it is obviously but yeah, but kind of more of that like original feel kind of i thought it was cool well that song the the funny story of that song is that song is from 2015 like I, that there's a finished version of that from no way yeah it's really old and it just took a really long time to come out because of what happened to chester from lincoln park oh. because they were both involved in the song and that was a really intense thing to have happened just all of music but to also be working on a song with his voice on it i was like whoa okay this is really intense and so we had to take some time to obviously give Mike some space to to do his thing. And yeah, it was it was a pretty intense project to be a part of. I also had to keep it quiet for three years because I like didn't know what was going on for the song. So I was just like, don't talk to anyone about it. Just keep it chill. Man. So it's, yeah, it's a really old song actually. That's so crazy. Was Chester's vocals on that then? At the beginning, he was a part, I think it was supposed to be featuring Linkin Park for a while. There is a version around that Martin was playing in his sets that has Chester, or yeah, that has Chester on it. It was never like decided that it was going to be featuring Linkin Park or not. I just, basically Martin and I made a song and one morning he FaceTimes me and he's like, dude, this this like track with Linkin Park I, I started writing with Mike, it really works over our song. And I was like, okay, cool. Like send it over, I'll, I'll check it out. And yeah, I think they, I think he and Mike did it together and then Chester did some vocals to make it potentially Linkin Park, but then everything happened and they redid it with just Mike. That affected all of us. And it's crazy, like with Avicii and like everything, it's just like, it's been a somewhat dark time for music in the last few years. It's been really sad. Seeing all this stuff going on and and just being an artist in this time, you can relate to what's going on with some of these people that are having trouble on some level. And I'm really thankful that I'm able to like go through these things and and figure myself out in, in ways that I know how, but to think that there are like thousands, maybe more, you know, hundreds of thousands of artists that are just like freaking out right now about things that are just in their head or in their surroundings. And it's just like, it's really sad to think. It's kind of like the Wild West of being a creative right now yeah. where like no one knows what's going on and then it makes your mental state really unstable and, and, and just your personal connection with what you do. And I'm happy that I've kind of figured out, that's why I took a year off basically. I was kind of just like weirded out by a lot of what was going on with myself. Like what you were saying, this transition from progressive house into music that is a little different. And it's like, I don't necessarily like one or more than the other, but some of my fans would be like, oh, why are you going back to Chris House? And it just like, it messes with your head a little bit. It's kind of like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Am I doing it for me? And so I can understand the thought processes that go on with a lot of these creatives that are not handling certain changes well. And it's it's really scary. Along that line with, with struggling with, you know, in, in our industry, struggling with it, like, like depression and anxiety, you know, all these these mental struggles that a lot of people are coming with. And I feel like on a world sense, 
everyone's starting to kind of accept it a little bit more. It's like, no, like this really is something. People aren't just faking it. They're not just being weak, all that kind of stuff. And of course, if the you know, in the world sense, then it of course it's applying to the music industry as well. On a music industry, we're starting to to you know, kind of accept that more time to be like, no, this is real. Like if you need help, get some help, so on and so forth. So along that same vein, what is something within the music industry that you feel like is, is kind of in that same realm where it's like, it's something that needs to be addressed. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be talked about, but the people are still like, Oh, I just, don't, uh, most people just don't want to talk about it. You know what I mean? I mean, I have the biggest example just from my own personal Fantastic. experience, which is like something that has really messed with me mentally is the whole idea of in the industry, there's the people that are creating and there are the people that are selling and marketing and branding and all or whatever business side versus creative side. When you're on the creative side, a lot of people on the business side can think like, Oh yeah, it's so easy. Just like go do a show, go make this song, go do that, that, that. And yeah, like to an artist, sometimes it's like, Oh yeah, it is easy. But then there are times where like the easiest thing is like literally the hardest thing in the world, or it just like destroys you. Like I remember I used to be, when I was like at the height of doing all my DJ shows, I loved a lot of my shows. where you're like in a, a, a random city, like semi major city, like for example, this happened a lot to me in like Dallas. And I've played really good at shows at Dallas, like at Lizard Lounge and all these venues that have a really cool community that go to those kind of shows. But I've also played at like just straight up bottle clubs that I don't know how I kind of got into that booking, but it's just, I, you know, I, I just took a chance and I was like, all right, I'll play this. And it's not like it's the worst thing in the world, but you go and not really anyone's there to see you for your music. They're, they're just there to like buy drinks and be seen and hang out with girls and whatever. And I don't really know that world very well because I just make music and I wasn't ever a DJ to like play those kind of shows. But it, you just happen to get into those situations. Usually they pay decent money because it's like all built around money. You, you know, It's like you go to these shows and they pay a lot for the tables and all that stuff. And then, you know, there's just more money to pay the artist or whatever, whoever's DJing, you know, and and I was like trying to make money as well as, as pushing my art. At least for me, I hit a certain like threshold where the more that I played. Oh, hello, Gordon. Uh, it's me. Hey, it's Gordon. <laughs> like the more I played those shows, the more it kind of like just kept pushing me down, feeling like, is this what I'm like going to become? Like, is this what I have to keep doing to just do this job? Like I have to play these shows where no one's really there to see my music. And it's like a lot of people on the industry side can just say like, oh, it's not a big deal. Like just, it's just one more, like, you know, just do a, a couple more. It'll pay the bills, blah, blah, blah. And like, you can keep telling yourself that, but the more it happens, you know, like people on the industry side forget that like I'm Pierce who is making music because I love music. And when I'm in some city alone to tour some show that doesn't really mean anything to me, but it's just paying the bills. And you keep doing that, you know, a few is fine. And, and like I said, it's a job, but the more you do it, it really does beat you down. And the same thing goes with like songs when people are like, oh man, this song was a hit, like blah, blah, blah. And you know, it's like a song that you didn't really have a connection with. And you're like, oh crap. Like now I have all this pressure to make some kind of song that sounds similar to that. And you try to, and you don't really love it. And it keeps messing with your head. Cause you're like, well, this will work, but my, my heart's not in it. My soul's not in it. And that that's where I've kind of dealt with certain things that have been tough for me in the past, which is just like, it's not really expectations and, and it's not really pressure. That's what's weird. It's like this kind of just like going with the flow mentality where I am starting to, to be on the side of like, it's really funny because I used to think that like, quote unquote, being an artist was like a little like overrated and kind of like not overrated, but like over glamored, you know, like when someone's all crazy and has crazy hair and doesn't sleep and does this and that and that. And now I'm starting to think like, do 
everything you want to do because of your passion for it. And that's why the like stereotypical artists will turn into these crazy people because they're so bent on like their vision or whatever. And I think when, when really sensitive artists are pulled away from that is when things start to get sticky. That happens because a lot of the people in the industry are just kind of like, Ah, it's not a big deal. Yeah, you know, it'll do this and that, that, and that. And it's it's taken very lightly versus being like, you're a sensitive artist. And like, you know, we understand that this might mess with you in terms of how you see yourself in your music. And and yeah, I just, I don't know. It's very weird. It's like bad parenting almost sometimes yeah. where you're just like, oh, just do this and you're fine. And like the, say the kid, it doesn't align with his identity. And then you keep doing that and it drills in this weird yeah. imprint on the person. What I walked away with from what you said is that the the thing that we as an industry still don't want to talk about or deal with or, or address is, is when your artist's integrity starts getting compromised over and over and over and since your your artistic stance your artistic vision is literally a part of you it's like breaking you over and over and over again but all in the name of business or money or growth or right is that what you're saying yeah and and back to my point about how like i used to think it wasn't that dramatic like i used to just be like it's not a big deal it's like you make music and it's fun and blah blah, blah. but over time it does start to become I mean, maybe not over time for some people, maybe it's right away for some people. But for me, I started just being like, why am I doing this if it's like not aligning with what I actually love? You know, when I, I started doing this professionally when I was 19. So it's like back in the day, I was just like, cool, I'm getting paid to like go DJ. This is fun. And then, you know, you do that for five years or six years. And it, at least for me, it, I started to just be like, what am I doing this for? Like, am I doing this because I'm like promoting and pushing the things that I love? Or am I just doing it? Cause it's like, it happened for me and I got lucky and I got to stay at this time. Yeah. Dude, I think that's so like, so like such an important thing to touch on. It's just like, um, I feel like the like a lot of the people that are listening to this podcast right now are young producers who make dope music or who are learning to make dope music, but they don't, they haven't made it yet. Right. And so you see this gold sunset and you're just like, I want to be there. That is happiness. Right. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, is we look at these, even you know, medium to large to huge superstars and we see, you know, addictions and we see heartbreaks and we see suicides and we see overdoses and we see all these things. And it's such a dangerous way to look at it like that, that that's going to bring happiness. Because the truth is, is like the things that really bring any human happiness is connection, family, things along those lines, so personal fulfillment in yeah. ways that you only can can describe. You know, I actually uh, went and taught a music production class yesterday at a high school and I just uh, was sitting there and I just realized like these kids are, you know, told all day, all day, you know, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. This is not how it's supposed to be done. Um, you know, hey, you messed up this many questions. And I just realized like these, like we as, a pe as people need to learn to express ourselves healthily in the ways that actually speak to us, not just what we're expected to. I think the, that's super important. I mean, that's the whole reason I do this daddy thing. It's, it's not just because it's funny, but I, I really believe that you can be an artist, have a family, which is what I want personally. You can be happy in a normal life and also per, like pursue artistic pursuits. You yeah, know? dude, I think that's, that's the biggest misconception with being like famous these days. You know, it's like, People think that like fame and success is all about like the glamour and blah, blah, blah. But like you talk to anyone that has all that stuff and they're not that happy. And it's like, no matter what, it's not like it's like every once in a while, they're like not happy. It's like basically everyone that has had that much success is usually a little shaken up and isn't totally satisfied. And it's just, it's, it's sad to, to think that there's a lot of people that are like, oh, that's, that's the, the end, you know, like, that's what I need. And once I get there, I'm going to be happy. And it's like, no, you got to be happy where you are. And you got to just make it if you can have every day be successful to you and be happy with that. That's, 
the meaning of life to me, at least. That's what I've learned. And that's so cool coming from you because, I mean, you have like how many monthly listeners on Spotify? You're up to like 3 million. I mean, you're collaborating with some of the biggest people in the whole world. And that's just- I don't just think re- about that ever. Right? Mm-hmm. But that's super encouraging though, is to see that you have the same point of view and that's what you're telling these kids to do is just saying like, look, dude, even if you get to where I'm at, like these are the things that are going to help you be happy. So along that lines, if you were going to define that, what are some of the things that like truly bring you happiness and fulfillment in life? Like what are the core, like Pierce Fulton, uh, I don't know what those would be called, the pillars of you. What keeps you happy and fulfilled in life? This is going to be like a full circle answer for you right here. So back to like the, the question about the transition from Progressive House to the different music that I've been making and also to what I would tell kids and what I would encourage kids that are, that are getting started. It's, it's like the reason I, I made that transition is because making that different type of music was like me starting over again and being like an, a kid just experimenting and having fun and having no pressure or like expectations. And I think that the more that you can hold on to that in your life, a, the more successful you will actually be, like the, the more your music will actually make a difference and the more that you will in the end be satisfied by, by your, your art. If you just continue to just like, I tell, I tell so many, I even tell successful artists that are like, I'll talk to that are struggling and they, you know, they'll be like, oh man, I can't figure out this. I have all this. I'm like, just pretend like you're a kid again. I know it's hard, but just like be a kid and have fun and do exactly what you think is fun. Don't stress about trends or charts or this and that. It's it's like, make what you think is awesome and be super excited by that. And if it works great, if it doesn't, at least you did it and you got that satisfaction and you will continue to do that. And eventually one of those things will work because it's so, you know, there's so many artists that go, I'm going to generalize a lot here, but this is like the trajectory I usually see. It's like an artist gets some recognition and it's great. And they start to make money and they're like, oh, wow, I'm getting money. Like, this is cool. Like I can start to buy stuff. Oh, cool, cool, cool. And so they hit this kind of like moment where they're like, wow, things are going really well. My music's doing well. I have money. I'm doing this. And then they go, okay, what do I do next? And they don't go right back to being like, what is going to make me most excited? They're like, oh, I bought like a car and like I have a house now and like, this is cool. So like, I need to make more money. So they start going like, what, what made my music successful in the first place? So they're like, let me do that again. And let me try this again. Or, oh, look, the Chainsmokers are doing this. Let me do that because they're successful. And no, literally no shade at the Chainsmokers. I love them. They're the nicest dudes ever. But they are often very, very, very much referenced for like, oh, what's successful in electronic music? Oh, they did that. Let's do that. And it's like, that's not going to work. They already did it. Like you have to, you have to be in that young mentality of like, what do I think is dope? What do I have to offer this world? Because otherwise everyone's just going to keep making the same stuff and it's never going to be more successful than the thing you copied. It's like, you have to just always dig down to that moment where you're like, this is cool. And if it's not there, don't make music. I know it's kind of crazy to say. I've, I've learned that this year. I've been like, if I'm not feeling it, I just don't do it. I used to force myself so much all the time. I would wake up and like chug a coffee and try to make it 128 Progressive House song and be like, is this going to be the next thing? And it messed me up big time because I just would like, I think that's the reason why I don't really make Progressive House that much anymore because I forced myself to do it every single day. I lived in Brooklyn for like four years and every day I would try to make a new song and try to make the other Kuaga or the other Runaway. And it's like, when it didn't happen, it would like crush my soul because I was like, oh, these people like this song, but I can't make it better and I can't do this. And it's like, you just get into this mental tornado of just like, should I do this or should I do that? And, and it's, it's messed up, man. It, it, but you have to go through that to learn. That's, that's the biggest thing is you can't... And what I've learned with talking to young artists they're never going to understand, or maybe they will, but it's, it's very rare that they'll understand, like, just do what you want to do and don't get swayed by any of the stuff that goes on around you. And 
it's it's very hard for someone to understand that that hasn't gone through it. So along the same line of what we're talking about, along the same concept, do you think it's possible to have a, su- a successful, thriving career without ever compromising your artist's integrity? Or do you feel like there has to be some give and you have to do some things? Yeah, I, I do think there has to be some give. And it's not like a, oh man, it's just like the reality of the world that we're in right now. And I'm, yeah, it, it, it's, I'm fortunate enough to have, have had the ability to take a year to like figure myself out. Most people, like I said, and that's, that, that is what I try to tell artists that are starting to get some traction. I'm like, don't just go spend all your money and don't like go bananas, like live the same way you do and, and be happy with what you have. Don't go crazy and buy all this crazy stuff. Cause like it, it bites you, it bites you in the, in the rump. I can't say the A word. So it bites you in the rump. (laughs) And, uh, so like that, that's the thing is, is when you start to like, Gordon, what are you doing? Just Gordon passing through. <laughs> Back from the cold. I don't. I don't want to tell anyone what to do with their money when they have success. But I, I will try to at least be like, be smart because you don't want to have to live up to these things once you've acquired them. Like, like if you buy a house and then you're like, oh man, I got to figure out how to pay my mortgage, and it's like you don't want that dictating your art. That's the worst thing that could dictate your art. Being like, how the heck am I going to survive? And you know, there are some people that will argue like starving artist mentality or whatever. Like, you know, when you're freaking out, you come up with your best stuff, but I don't want to make art like that. That'd be awful. I want to make art because I'm excited, not because I'm like, I have to pay my bills. Like, what do I do? I just think that that is really toxic. And, but at the same time, I'm, I'm, I just realized that I'm maybe in the, in the minority of thought in terms of like what to do with your money. Like I, I spend my money on like instruments and stuff. Cause I know that that goes back into my music and I know other people like cars and like buying nice houses and stuff. And I'm pretty happy with just simple stuff. Yeah, it's just, it, it hurts me to see these people go down a completely different path just because of like success and money and fame. And it just starts to change everything and it sucks. But you can't really, you can't do anything about it. You can only talk about it. That's the thing. You can like talk about it. You can't force them to be like, don't do this with your money because it'll affect you poorly in the future. And that was such a good answer. Well, I'm, I'm sorry if I may like, spiral and have like verbal diarrhea because this is like stuff I think about all the time because I see my peers and you know I'm not really like vocal I'm not that vocal on social media anymore but I see like what my friends are doing and like what happens to them over time and I'm kind of just like oh man like sometimes it's it's tough to just be like on the sidelines just watching like yeah I don't know it's stuff I think about a lot but uh, I don't really talk to that many people about it other than my friends. Hey, Don Nation, Wyatt Troy here. Sorry for cutting in the middle of this interview. I didn't feel like it was appropriate to share a music business tip in the middle of this interview just because of the things that we were talking about. So I am adding this in later on because that's what we're doing now. We're adding in music business tips with every episode. So here's the one that we're gonna be talking about right now. It is about Instagram. Instagram recently made it much, much easier for you to integrate Instagram TV and your stories. So as we know, stories on Instagram is the biggest thing. That's where 90% of the engagement on Instagram is right now. So stories are very, very important. So now that we can integrate Instagram TV and stories, here's what you can do. So let's say you release a song and you put it up on your Instagram TV. What you can do is then create a story out of that. It'll, it'll give you a little preview and you can put it in your stories. Well, the thing is that's evergreen. You can keep using that over and over and over and over and over again 
right? So you could literally do that every day. Even if you've had a song released for months, you can just be like, hey, I've been listening to this thing a lot. This day reminds me of this song. And so you go to your Instagram TV and you just put it back in. So that is a very good tip to keep recycling certain content. You don't want to recycle it too much, but do not just put something out and that's it. And then you never touch it again. You can recycle it. It's very effective that way. We do it within the Dawn Behind the Dawn episodes all the time. So go ahead, check that out. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's business tip. And we're going to get back into the interview with Pierce Fulton right now. And you had a you had a question for us too about, you said you were going to ask us about old music. Did you already cover that or did you have a... Oh, no. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny to go into now, but... Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, actually, I would like to ask you, I was thinking about this the other day because every once in a while, like people will like send me a tweet being like listening to Sink or Swim, like an old, old song of mine. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. But like when I hear Sink or Swim, I'm like, oh, it's so old and like dated sounding. And like when I did my last tour like a year ago, I actually remastered like all of my bigger songs like Sink or Swim, Runaway, even Quagga. And it's like, they sounded way, way, way better in my mind than the original. And I was wondering, like, because you guys clearly know some of my older music, like, would you be happy if I were ever to like replace them with like a remastered version? Or would it be weird? And would you be like bummed that the old version isn't there any longer? Because sometimes I get bummed when like a version changes. I would definitely not, dude, because there's just some charm to it, bro. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. That's so funny you've asked. Because I feel like in, you know what what year did that come, what did Romy come out? Yeah, twenty fourteen maybe. So it's been like almost five years, yeah. right? We're almost to twenty nineteen. And, and here's my thought of it: it's it's like Progressive House was super cool, and everything was Progressive House, and then it got uncool, and now it's like cool again, and it's like <laughs> starting to get cool again. And I don't know, dude. I just I I found myself pulling back from like all the crazy future bass and stuff going on right now, and listening to some of like the classic stuff that I yeah. fell in love with, like Wise. So I would never replace it. I think it would be cool to like maybe remix and master it for like a twenty and say like twenty eighteen version or like that something and like cool. release. Yeah. Just because, dude. There's a lot of people like current people making that style of music again. I yeah. mean, like, and and they're releasing it again. So anyways, that's my thought. I would never, I like listening back. It's nostalgic. It's almost yeah. like, to me, it's like the Blink-182 of EDM, right? Listening to the, that like old progressive house, like your stuff, Cascade stuff, things like that. To me, it's, it, I don't know, it has a charm to it. So I wouldn't replace it, but I would you know, say, hey, look how far I've come. Let me remix it and master and show you yeah. even a better version of the song that I feel speaks to me. Well, right? I guess, but don't be embarrassed. No, you know, it's all part of the, it's all part of your journey. You know, no, like your stuff is awesome. It's not that I'm embarrassed. It's more so that like, I can see that people still listen to these songs and I'm like, what if it sounded like a little bit better mixed master wise? But you know, it's, it, it also is uh, like, I've talked to my brother about it and he's like, dude, go focus on new music. Like, do not worry about what's going on in the past. And I'm like, I know it's, it's, it's kind of a, just a overthinking thing. It's, it's like what I was saying, like when I'm here just in my own little bubble making my music, I'll, I'll see that. And I'm like, oh man, I can make that sound better. Like, I, I agree with Brendan that if you do do it, then still leave the old one as well. So it's like you re-release it in a way. You know, you re-release the, the remastered version, so to say. At that point, I'll just make new, better progressive yeah, house. Yeah, you know that's I mean? true. <laughs> yeah. Because it is possible. I do agree. But like, you know, as, as Brendan was saying, like you do fall in love with the original of it. You know what I mean? Like the, the viewers that, that listen to this know that I'm a huge Dragon Ball Z fan and they remade Dragon Ball Z with Dragon Ball Z Kai. I hate it. 
can't stand it can't look at it i'm leaving it yep yeah you guys help because these are these are the songs that people fell in love with and so if you go and you change their expectation of what they fell in love with it's like oh, oh that's dodgy territory you see what i'm saying so i'm basically i actually haven't talked to anyone about this but i'm, I'm starting a new project with my friend gordon he's in the group botneck and he uh, also has a solo project that's awesome called bell on v that's really really cool and uh we're starting a new project together um we have like seven songs we're finishing right now that's incredible. I knew I knew Gordon was a special dude. Individual. Bob Neck is tight, dude. Yeah, yeah, they're great. I didn't know that. My my whole mission statement in life, basically at this point, is like try to capture that feeling of being young and excited about something in art. That's it. That's that's like all I'm about. It's just find that moment where you're up in your you know childhood room listening to like crazy old songs or whatever or like discovering some new genre you never heard before and having that feeling again it's just that's all i'm ever chasing so kind of playing off that those type of feelings right the feelings that really that make life worth living so to say you know that kind of make our journey worth going on so you know if we were to look at you know your your career that that, that you've had thus far everyone who has experienced success on, on a personal level, not necessarily on a business level, but on a personal level, the people that have experienced that, every single one of us have went through a time where it's like, you know, we kind of look back on our journey and we're like, my gosh, I am so happy I didn't give up. And it's usually when something big happens, when some big achievement comes, you know, like what has been, what has been an experience like that for you where you look back and you're like, I almost quit and I'm so glad I didn't do that. Dude, I almost quit this year. My gosh, tell me more. I mean, it's it, it sounds kind of like, uh, I'm going to downplay it and say it kind of sounds like lame and weak, but like earlier this year, I it went great. It wasn't like a smash sold out every show, but like most shows were awesome and there were some tough shows, but that's that's just what happens with playing live. And uh, it went really well, but I, I came home and I was like, okay, first album or whatever, you know, Better Places album is done. And uh, I did the tour, so it's time to make the next album. And I just like was not, feeling making music for a little while. And I, I was just like every day trying to work. It became kind of a, a really personal and weird. Per like I, I would just like get angry when I opened Logic. I would be like, because that that same, what's as crazy as this sounds, that same mentality that happened with Progressive House, which like where I was like, how many more can I do with this? I was kind of just trying to make my album songs over again because I love them and I, I, I was really happy with them. But I just didn't have any ideas for it. And and that's actually something that I've discovered. I've, I've basically had like this whole mental revolution in the past six months, which is like between this time of like almost literally giving up. And when I say give up, I would just like go and like, I would probably go back to school and like do something interesting and then make music for fun. And it sounds insane to say, because some people could see me from the outside and be like, oh, everything's working out fine. Yeah, he's got the song with Martin Garrix, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, on the inside, it's, it's not like everything's like shiny and great. It's like, I'm still just like figuring out what to do next. And uh and that's why I like I don't really post on social media that much anymore because I felt like I was keeping up with this like stupid hamster wheel that just doesn't end. And I like posting just because it's fun, not because I like have to because I have to keep up with some image. It's like I like doing it because it's it's fun to share things with people. And I, I'm not that open of a person, so it was weird to be in a stage in my life where I was like posting every day, and they're all pictures of me. And I don't really think I'm like a good looking dude or like no. love looking at myself. So it's like weird. I don't like that. But basically, like something I've learned in this whole process of like yeah, I, I like softly almost stopped making music like full time because I was just like really fed up with stuff. Basically, just fed up with my own creative 
decisions. Uh, but but my new thing is like, I literally like wrote it on a piece of duct tape and just taped it on my studio. And I was like, ideas only. Like only work if you have an idea for something. Don't sit there and be like, I need to have a vocal. I don't know what the vocal is yet. So I'm going to sit here and just like drill myself over and over again for a vocal idea. And obviously you have to do that sometimes when you work. You have to kind of like pull up your boots and like get down to it. But for the most part, I've learned that if I have... If I have an, an idea, the first idea that I have is always going to be the good one. And like, it takes time to learn that kind of trust with yourself. And also like, I, I kind of have stopped writing ideas down and I've stopped recording like every idea I have because I think I got this from like a Beatles documentary where Paul McCartney said they never wrote down any of their music because if it wasn't good enough, like you would, you, you'd have to remember it for it to be good enough. Mm. So I'm kind of trying to do that. Like if I remember it, it's good enough. And that means that it's the idea I should follow through with. So in that period after the tour, when I was forcing myself to make music every day, it was like really, really brutal because I would just sit there being like, okay, I know that this song had this little uh, dulcimer guitar, an acoustic guitar, like a synth bass, some real drums, some real claps, like my vocal. And I was like, okay, how do I take all those parts and make a song again? And that's like the total wrong way of making music. It should be like that I'm playing with stuff and an idea comes and then the whole song just starts to happen in my head. And I'm like, cool, there we go, there we go, there we go. And so like, for example, all of my upcoming songs, I don't, I write some some notes down about little things that I'll forget, just like mix stuff and whatever. But for the most part, they're all kind of just in my head. Like I know the arrangement of things because it's just like, I'm never going to forget that because it is very, very straightforward and not like random. It was usually like my first instinct on things. That's been a huge change for my creativity. Just like trusting myself and not being like, oh, maybe there'll be something better later. It's like, no, this is the best thing. Don't, don't even stress about anything else. And also, like literally my least favorite feeling is when I'm playing the guitar and I'm sitting and I, you know, there's times where I play things on guitar that I'm like, holy moly, how did I do that? I don't even know how I played that riff or that chord or whatever. And it's like something just came through me and it was great. But there are other times where I'm sitting there playing and I'm like, you sound like a fourth grader who's playing guitar for the first time. And it's like, when you're doing that, you should just stop playing guitar right then. Like, just don't force it if it doesn't sound good or feel good. It's like, I, it's taken me a lot of, a lot of, uh, times and trials to to learn to just like put it down if it doesn't sound good it's just a weird thing i've experienced because i'm sure a lot of music i'm sure a lot of creatives all together can relate to that where like you're sitting being like i need to do something today and i don't know what it is and very 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 rarely does that work for me it might work for some other people but i find that only if i have an idea like if i'm like oh i have this riff that's it and I follow through with that. I don't sit and go like, okay, I need to come up with a riff. Like, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Sometimes it works, but not usually. Pierce, this has been one of the best interviews on the podcast. Man, I really, really appreciate it. Is there any final words for our viewers that you would just like to top top this off? You know, cherry on top, anything? So I, I apologize if maybe some of my comments are like very blunt or straightforward about things that might be sensitive to some people. And uh, I know that my ideas and my decisions are not the right way and they're not definitely not the majority view of of a lot of things but i all i can speak of is like complete honesty of what i've gone through and these are just my beliefs based on what i've experienced and and i'm sorry if any of them like hurt anyone's feelings if i say like you know certain things that are very intense that might be against your views so i know that my ways are not right it's just what i know where can they find you if they want to partake of your music more? Where's the best place? Spotify has everything. My SoundCloud has more than my Spotify just because I used to put a lot of like cool random things on it. If you want to keep in touch on stuff, I use Instagram more than anything else, but I don't use social media that much anymore just for fun little things. Hey, Daw Nation. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Daw, episode 38 with Pierce Fulton. If you did, please let us know down in the comments. But if you didn't, please let us know down in the comments. Also, please like, comment, subscribe, 
follow, repost, you know, whatever is appropriate on the particular platform that you're listening on, like iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Play, Deezer, YouTube, wherever you are. Um, if you are interested in the Patreon, giving suggestions for artists to come on the show or getting private lessons in electronic music production or social media marketing, go ahead. There's a link down in the description for all those things. And then finally, I would highly encourage you to listen to the two episodes right before this. The episode right before this one was episode 37.5 with Fabian Mazur breaking down his song Level Up. It's amazing. It's incredible. If you want to learn more about that, go ahead and listen to that. There's also a free preset in there if you want to if you want to snag that bad boy. But also, I would highly encourage you to check out the episode even before that, which is the Behind the Dot episode with two friends. That was very good. It's, it's proving to be a very popular episode on the podcast, so I'd highly encourage you to check that out. But Daw Nation, thank you so much for spending this time with me and with Pierce and with Daddy. And I want you to have a fantastic day, all right? Thank you so much, and we'll catch you next time, Daw Nation.